0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the BlueWire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madison. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me shortly is Chris Biederman of the Sacramento Bee. And our favorite cast member, Nick Wagner, who gets a mention, I think on every podcast we do, it's kind of become a bit, but not really. He's just very good at his job, so it comes up a lot. He'll be joining us to talk about quarterbacks and socks and whatever else we get into uh with with the 49ers. Lots of uniform takes coming though for sure. When to go for two and when not. It's just gonna be a just a, a haphazard football conversation. And I can't wait. I'm doing this intro at the top, so this isn't like we had the conversation, I'm doing the intro after. So I genuinely don't know exactly what we're going to get into. We're just going to have a good time doing it. And we're sponsored by Cooperage Brewing. You can visit the brewery in Santa Rosa, or you can order beer by the case at cooperage.com. Got to be 21 or over, and you must be in California, but they would deliver beer right to your door next day shipping. It's the best way to buy beer from the best place to buy beer, Cooperage, Cooperage Brewing. All right, let's do shenanigans. Hey guys, are, are we
3: actually gonna gonna have the sock conversation again? Probably. Okay. Like it's
1: inevitable. Let's save that, that for the up. end.
2: Let's push that one all the way.
1: Multicolored back. socks, stripes, yada yada yada. You get it. Okay.
2: Hey Nick, it, Kyle, Kyle, you made it sound like this is like some sort of like choose your own adventure. Like we should just record like eighteen different topics and then let the listeners somehow like choose <laughs> the direction they want to go to.
1: Just like, that- all right, we're going to talk quarterbacks next. To right. hear about Jimmy Garoppolo. Fast forward to two <laughs> minutes and forty-eight seconds.
2: I think, think I stole Brock that Purdy. idea from Tom Hanks' character in Big when he worked for the Toy Story. His comic book idea was choose your own. You know, like, what if you go this way, you could do this. That's that big. might be that might be the next breakthrough
3: in podcasting. Like clicking on an episode and then having different segments with like little buttons you can hit on your phone and just fast believe forward right to that. Give that
2: idea away for free.
1: Yeah. hey Tyler edit this podcast like that <laughs> <laughs> that would be Let's such a, a pain to figure out <laughs> oh my god I already hate the idea of doing that we're not going to do that though we're going to talk about uh the 49ers we're going to talk about I guess we have to talk about Brock Purdy first right yeah Nick Let's is seem like a logical starting point Nick Brock Purdy your thoughts
2: yeah, uh, I just wondering. What, Tell us about Brock Purdy. What size is this cold jacket supposed to be? Is what is my biggest question. Uh, no, I, I don't. I don't. That you didn't really ask me a question, so I don't. I so don't know okay, you, I'll ask you a I question how, about Brock Purdy. Tell me about Brock
1: Purdy. How,
3: how sustainable? How sustainable is this winning football? The 49ers are playing with third string quarterback Brock Purdy. In your estimation,
2: I think it's very sustainable, but I, I, look everyone wants to make the, the big leap right now too. And I know you guys talked about this the other day, and I agreed with a lot of what you were saying, especially Kyle, uh, just <laughs> talking, about the, talking about the idea of what, you know, what, what happens next year, who's the quarterback in 2023. And if you go back like three weeks, these same conversations were happening about Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, what are you, how are they going to keep Jimmy? What are they going to do with Jimmy? And the thing I kept saying was, well, what if Jimmy gets hurt again? Cause that's kind of been the problem with Jimmy. And then he did, and I'm not taking a victory lap on that by any means because it's unfortunate, but I think there's just so much left to play out here that it's impossible to say what is going to happen beyond this year. But in the here and the now, in evaluating Brock Purdy on what we've seen and what where it could go this season, I don't think you could be anything but impressed and, and think that it's realistic for him to at least somewhat stay at this level. There's going to be... More tests coming on. Like that's how I look at it right now. Is is it's been a series of tests, and he's passed each of them, and passed them. Did more than pass. You could say got a good grade, like an A, in most of those situations. But there's going to be more things thrown at him. And I was looking at some stuff the other day because when I watched the Seattle game back, I was like, man, these guys didn't blitz him hardly at all. And Miami and Tampa blitzed the crap out of him, especially Miami with all the zero blitzes that they were running. And I think I think it was, you know, Tampa and Miami were both in the mid 30 percent range uh, in blitzes. And against Seattle, it was like seven percent. So they didn't blitz him. So how could he hold up when it's okay You've got to read coverage, get through your progressions and go to the right guy. And he had the ball longer in his hands, which is a, a tribute to the offensive line, doing a good job against the Seattle front four. But he had a good game. He did it again. So that's another thing. Cause I like the, as the as defensive coordinators get more tape on him, they're gonna challenge him in different ways. And to see him do that in that game with the with the bad rib and the bad oblique and the, the you know conditions there the environment there and a game with the division on the line in prime time on a short i mean all those different things that factored into that um i think it was the most encouraging performance yet even if it wasn't his best one necessarily the tampa one was so good but just given everything that went into it i thought is it was his best and look there's a little element here too of like everything he touches is turning to gold where like you know, the first game he throws the pick and it was basically an arm punt. It was better than an incompletion. The second game, he audibles into the wrong thing and it should be a nine-yard loss. Instead, it's a 15-yard penalty. And so it's plus 24 there. Uh, and then the other night when he throws the one right to digs and digs drives. So so there's some some beginner's luck or something like that that's going on here. But I think on the, on the large part of this, he is playing very well. And I haven't seen anything that makes me think he can't keep doing it. And I think the most surprising thing, guys, is he is making plays. He's not just managing Mm -hmm. the game. He's not just not screwing it up. He is doing those things, but he's giving you that little bit of extra. And if he can do that in the postseason, it's a whole different ballgame because we haven't seen this version of the 49ers, even dating to 2019, with good quarterback play in the postseason. And so that's obviously the biggest test. But as we sit here right now, I definitely think it's sustainable throughout the year. The question will be, can that playoff pressure bust those pipes for lack of a better term how yeah, much was my, oh go ahead.
3: no you so you've tweeted out a, a lot of different christian mccaffrey stats over over the last few weeks it, in some the niners are basically scoring a touchdown more a game um he's i think he's leading all running backs in in receptions and has been one of frankly the best running backs in the league since coming to the 49ers um Based on the numbers you've seen and, and all the information you've been gathering and reporting you've been doing, can you quantify for us what Christian McCaffrey's addition has meant to the 49ers offense within the context of Brock Purdy's uh, um, emergence here?
2: Yeah, I think I, I'm glad you asked because I'm going to cheat plug myself. I have a big story coming out. When this comes out, big I'm- piece. I- my story will be on ESPN. Yeah, hashtag Big Piece with the. Uh, God, I hope I got a full uh, link. But on Christian, just on the kind of the profound impact Christian McCaffrey has had on the offense, and I I even put a, a table in there, a chart in there of you know pre McCaffrey as the starter and since McCaffrey became the starter, And I kind of threw out the Chiefs game because you know it was a. It was a limited sample and also it hurts my argument. So he was <laughs> there there's 7 and 0 oh with him as the starter. I don't, I don't want to put a blemish on there, but uh, uh no, I, I think I think it's you can draw a straight line from, you know, Christian McCaffrey becoming the guy, the focal point of the offense and a huge part of it to the 49ers success. And it it's a, it, it's in a few ways. One, to your point on Purdy, when you have that guy who can be a threat as a pass catcher and can be a threat as a runner. And I think what you're seeing now, he's, he's really, especially in the run game, it's starting to come for him Uh, because he, he was the first one to admit the first few weeks, like, man, I'm missing, I'm missing some reads. I'm leaving some yards out there, especially on outside zone stuff. Um, I got to get better in that, but he's, he's starting to find that. He definitely did that against Seattle and Tampa the last couple of weeks, Um, but also just the pass catching threat, which is, you know, I've said it so many times where you see him, you know, it's third and seven or whatever and a throw that you might be three yards short of the sticks and like, yeah, well, we're going to punt. Okay, fine. But he makes the first guy miss and he gets a first down. I think he's second in first downs game since he's become the 49ers starter. Only Josh Jacobs, I think has more uh, in that time, just to give you an example. If you look at EPA, which kind of measures impact per play, they're, they're like, they're basically a top five offense now. And, and, and that's, that's the huge difference. And, and the trickle down of that is, you know, the Niners talk about it all the time. It's a cliche, but it's a cliche for a reason it's complimentary football, right? Like if the defense gets a stop or gets a turnover, the offense needs to turn that into a point, special teams needs to do its job, blah, 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 blah. But they're doing that. Like they weren't doing that early in the year. And that's why you've seen a lot of wins, but not just wins, but comfortable wins. Like you're not even, even Seattle the other night, like granted it was a one possession game at the end. I don't think they, they, you correct me if I'm wrong. They didn't have the ball with a chance to tie it ever. Correct. Yeah. So, like yeah. to me, that's not a close game. A close game is is there was a moment in the fourth quarter where the other team had a chance to at least tie the game, and that didn't happen, and that hasn't happened, I think, other than the Chargers game in this win streak. So, um, all of those things, I think, it is it is really uh, John Lynch referred to him as a force multiplier uh, when they acquired when they acquired Christian McCaffrey. And he has been that. And I think he's maybe even exceeded expectations. Uh, We knew he was a really good player and a lot of it was health related, but I think he has really taken them to another level that has elevated, not just the offense, but the whole team, because of what it does for the offense.
1: I was a little bit skeptical when they made the deal. Like, like I was on board, like I got the idea, like you want to add good players, but it's like, man, the money and the injury stuff and all the picks, but it, the impact he's had, it's a—it's a, it's a no brainer. Had I known, have you told, had you told me really? when they made this deal, Hey, this is the impact he's going to have. It would have, ju- it would have not even been a question. Like yeah. forget the running backs don't matter thing. Like he's just such an offensive playmaker that I'm of the mind that I think it has allowed them to survive without Debo Samuel in a way that they have not been able to in the past.
2: It's it's funny you say that, Kyle, because like, I'm the same as you. I'm not going to revise history and act like I'm be a hypocrite about this. And I didn't say I didn't think it was a bad deal. I just I understood the reasons, but I thought it was a risky deal because sure. of all the things you just said. But I was talking to John Lynch a couple of weeks ago, and I said, you know, when you made the deal, when you made the deal for Christian McCaffrey, like, did you feel, was it about him? Did you feel like you needed a running back? Did you feel like what what exactly was it? And his his response was basically like, we needed someone. Who we thought could raise all ships, essentially, right? And and you don't think of a running back that way, but mm-hmm. it also—that's my fault, that's our fault for thinking of him as just a running back. And, and you know, like, and I'm not saying like I don't know that he's not—he's capable of doing what he does as a pass you catcher. He catches so, passes too, right, of course, of course. Like <laughs> we know that, but you don't think of anyone but a quarterback being able to elevate an offense, really, right? Because the quarterback touches the ball on every play where running back even if he's getting a heavy workload doesn't do that but because of what he can do because of where they can line him up because of the ways they can get the ball in his hands even just like the the other night uh and this is one of the things that appears in my story but like the gravity we talk about with Steph Curry right like the gravity of Steph Curry you know that second George Kittle touchdown George Kittle's the fourth read on that play and if you watch it back Christian McCaffrey, that play is designed to go to Christian McCaffrey in the left flat with Kyle check in front of him as a blocker. When when McCaffrey runs out to the left flat, Brock Purdy looks over there. There are three Seahawks defenders that all just start running right at Christian <laughs> McCaffrey, including Jordan Brooks. And you can see like that, you know, what's what's like the narrator thing where it's like uh, it was at this yeah, point that's that I, me. I, wasn't, I was screwed or whatever. Yeah. Like you can see on Jordan Brooks' face where it's like he realizes George Kittle's over his head. And this thing's about to go for a touchdown. And again, it that's the thing where it's like even on a play where he didn't touch the ball, he just created another big play for someone else. And oh, by the way, 49ers have other really good players. So, you know, Brock Purdy in that situation isn't just throwing it to Joe Schmo, who might catch it for a 30 yard gain. He's throwing it to George Kittle, who's gonna make a couple guys miss and they're not gonna they're gonna be a couple business decisions and he's gonna score a fifty-four yard touchdown.
1: That I don't think we talked about this on the pod. That tackle attempt by fifty seven. A uh, Barton, Cody Barton, I think his name is Seahawks linebacker, was pathetic. Holy cow. Yeah, they, that they was were, really bad.
2: As the kid would <laughs> say, they were not interested in making a smoke investment in that particular <laughs> situation. You
1: know, just firmly outside of his Duffy in that moment. <laughs> um, so we
3: we've talked a little bit maybe not so much recently about the 49ers defense and and maybe coming into the year we we'd asked if it could be as good as the 2019 defense. Um I think the numbers would indicate that it that it can be at that level. Maybe there are some numbers that indicate that it's better mm-hmm. than that level. I I think like from the eye test it doesn't feel like it's quite at that level just yet because um, just like looking at the talent right like having DeForest Buckner on that defensive line Um, yeah. you know I, I think the secondary is probably a little bit better but I, I do think I, I still would feel better about the secondary had Jimmy Ward been playing free safety yeah. but it, do you think the defense can be good enough to elevate the 49ers like what, whatever shortcomings they might have in the in the postseason, because it probably is not going to be this easy for Brock Purdy in the postseason. Do you think the yeah. defense can can elevate the 49ers as a whole in the same way that it did in 2019 when it went to the Super Bowl?
2: I, I, I'll start – I'll use the comparison till twenty twenty one because I think that's a maybe even more apt. Like the defense did most of the heavy lifting in last playoffs. We would agree on that, right? And and you know they came up short in the NFC Championship, but I think they're better than twenty twenty one and probably to your point, not quite as good as twenty nineteen, especially up front, the front four. Although I will say, I think their linebacking, their linebacker play is the best in the league, and it's better than it was in twenty nineteen. Like Drake, that's not a knock on rookie Dre Greenlaw; it's a compliment to current Dre Greenlaw who is playing at an absolutely elite level and Aziz Alshire is playing well too. But um, that, I think that is the big, the big thing that sets this defensive apart is the linebacker group. And I think a lot of that will then become matchup dependent, but they're so banked up on the interior of the defensive line. Like that's a big question. Having Eric Armstead back is massive for them. I think we all know the impact he makes, even if it doesn't show up statistically all the time. Um, but yeah, I do think they are, I do think they are good enough. Um, to, to again, be kind of capable of keeping teams in that, you know, 13 to 20 point range, which should in theory be enough to win, uh, win playoff games. And, um, I don't think, especially if you look at the, the NFC, um, I just don't see that team that you like, oh, that team looks like a team that's ready to come in here and put 35 on their heads, Uh, Mm -hmm. Philadelphia is the, is the one team that I think would be the biggest challenge for them. But even Dallas, who is a good team, but you know, I I don't think their offense is necessarily built to score a bunch of points. It's basically the same offense they just played in in January last year. So that's kind of, that's kind of where I'm at with it. But yeah, I mean, I I do think it's a fair question. It's a fair point. Like is this defense built in a way that they could carry the freight? Yeah, I think they, I think they are Uh, maybe just not quite as dominant as 2019, but um, so much of that can be matchup dependent, too.
1: But if they're a little bit better than they were last year, and you get a little bit better quarterback play than what they got from a banged up Jimmy Garoppolo last year, and this year they won't be going on the road right away, like there's a lot of signs pointing to them making a similar run and perhaps a game deeper. That's my yeah. thought. I mean, it sounds insane because of like just conventional wisdom with a seventh round pick playing quarterback in his rookie year like that just doesn't compute but then you start putting the pieces together and it's like oh like this is just it's kind of what it adds up to the only thing I can think of as a knock is like well no uh, that's just not how it goes <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah and and they have Christian McCaffrey on top of it right. which they yeah. didn't have and so yeah I I, I mean it is it, it's funny because you do talk about that like the rookie quarterback has never even been to a Super Bowl as a starter let alone won one and and so yeah history but you know there's always a first there's always a first time I guess for everything but um yeah it, it, I do think Philadelphia is a really good team i, I think as, if if the Jalen hurts thing isn't too bad um which was super confusing yesterday by the way uh but but <laughs> but, but, but you know I think I think I, I'm reminded to chris's point when I watch Philly very much of the 2019-49ers the the quarterback is is different obviously stylistically and talent wise but in terms of what they want to do being v- super physical run the ball play good defense get after you like they're very similar and they're actually even similar in how little how long it took for them to get the respect that they deserved like how many times i've read like well, the Eagles haven't played anybody. And I was like, well, I remember that. Everyone said that about the Niners, and they were just pasting people every week. It's like, yeah, you know, at some point when you're winning every game by three touchdowns, it might be time to just take them seriously. But uh, uh, also playing in Philly, they're probably going to be the number one seed. I mean, barring a huge meltdown here, that is not a fun place to go in January either. So uh, that, that to me, it does feel a little bit like the 49ers are on a collision course with the Eagles
1: just to clear up the Jalen Hurts thing he's either out for the year or playing this week
2: <laughs> you're one of the two <laughs> and uh,
3: everything in between also right yeah, also so...
1: <laughs> also out a little bit
2: <laughs> and also not out a little bit
3: <laughs> so there are three games left um, the 49ers are like i mean they're going to host a they're going to host a playoff game they're going to try to play for seeding in week. and uh, obviously get to the number two seed is is on the table they almost would have been in the number two seed had minnesota lost to to indy um but I, i'm fascinated with how the 49ers approach these last three games because they obviously have a lot of injuries to deal with while they do need to win to improve their seating and ultimately you know if you get a home game you obviously in in the second round you improve your chances at getting to the super bowl um and i understand Kyle Shanahan as a prerogative when he's speaking to the media to essentially say the same thing he would say to his team like we're approaching this exactly the same as we would um any other situation but i have to think behind the scenes when he when him and John Lynch are having conversations they might be easing off the gas pedal on some of the guys and particularly like not rushing guys back from injury like i can't imagine they're going to rush Debo Samuel back from injury to play in you know week 18 Uh, If he if he's ready. Right. So so what's your interpretation on how the 49ers are going to handle these last three games in terms of having the urgency needed to win and trying to get their guys healthy. So they're the best version of themselves for
2: the playoffs. Yeah, I think you hit on the the primary idea, which is like if it's a if it's kind of like a borderline situation, they're not going to rush anyone back. But if the guy is healthy and capable of playing I think they're going to play. And and one of the things that maybe kind of floats under the radar a little bit when we have this conversation is it's not just about going on the road, but I know the 49ers for a fact would very much like to avoid playing on turf again this season. Um, And they can do that by avoiding Minnesota. Uh, As of right now, they have no more turf games left on their schedule. And I think that is something that they, you know, obviously we know how they feel about turf and they would like to avoid that particularly in the playoffs, uh, and going to Minnesota where it's cold and obviously you're in a dome but it's still freezing cold and then pairing back-to-back trips possibly pretty long trips if you had to go to Minnesota and then to Philly that's two pretty long trips in a row so um i i, I do think they covet the number 2 seed i think they would really they really want it i think as we sit here right now like i i think Minnesota's going to lose at least one more time i wouldn't be surprised if they lost two more times in an ideal world like if the 49ers could map this out exactly how they want they would win their next two, Minnesota would lose their next two and they would have it wrapped up before that week 18 game and then maybe they could, you know, your Bosa's, your Kittles, like McCaffrey, like those types of guys you could you could you could dial it back with. And and, and that would be the perfect world. Barring that though, I think they are going to pursue that 2 seed as heavily as they can but without pushing guys to your point Chris who who might be on that borderline.
3: So Minnesota has the Giants at home uh, this weekend and then at the Packers
2: and at the Bears
1: so they're losing one, at least one of those
2: yeah I think yeah. so too. I think so too and the other thing is is those are yeah. NFC games and yeah. that, that is uh that was the one I if you're looking for like the silver lining of them coming back against the Colts I know people were annoyed and I get it but at least it was an AFC team you know where if the tiebreaker comes down to that, that would give, you know, that would be like two in the pocket from the 49ers uh, if they lose any of those games. But yeah, I mean, a team that was down 33 points to the Colts at home, they can lose to anybody. Let's just call it what it is. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's where I'm at. The end, the thing I'm interested to see is if they're still a game back of the Vikings and they hold a tiebreaker where if they wind up tied, they get the two, and they go into week eighteen, and it's like, does Debo play or not? Because yeah. they'd kick off at the same time as the Vikings, in that sense, so they wouldn't have a they wouldn't have a uh, right. any kind of knowledge going into the game. That's where I'd be interested to see if they go, yeah, we're going to try and push Debo back into play, and going to play Kittle and and everybody else in hopes that they win, and also Minnesota loses. Yeah. Cause like in that instance, I can't imagine they would try and rush Debo back.
2: No, I, I really, I really don't see them rushing Debo back. And I'll say this. I saw Debo in the locker room today and he, he's walking around fine. Looks like he's moving pretty good. So like, I think, you know, Kyle Shanahan, I think even alluded today that like, this could have been if, theoretically, if they had to have it this week, that it would have at least been in discussion, but it wasn't because, you know, they, they don't need him this And Look, also, let's keep in mind week 18, the Arizona Cardinals, like they're in the tank. Like that, that thing is, is, yeah. is done and it could be, it could be ugly. I mean, they could, they could fire somebody now. I mean, it could happen soon. So, yeah. um, I, I, you know, I think that's a, that's a theoretically a game you could not play your players and still win <laughs> uh, if you needed to. Not that you would do it and roll the dice if you really needed it, but right. uh, I'm just saying. It's a if you're gonna if you're gonna choose a matchup to have that week, it would be the uh, flailing Arizona Cardinals in their current state. So it's maybe, maybe it's like, like
1: week three of the preseason where they roll their starters out for the first half, build a lead, and then pull everybody.
2: Yeah, just let Jordan Mason, you know, the let <laughs> oh, the closer dude. close it out.
3: Dude, let him gonna, eat. Good, I was going to say, it sounds like Nick's a real Josh Johnson
2: believer in the yeah. scenario, but yeah, Jacob Eason, let's, let's, let's get real nuts. You know, <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's do it. Um, Javon
3: Kinlaw is having his practice window open this week. Uh, he didn't participate in Tuesday's walkthrough. Um, what, what's your sense of the 49ers confidence level in being able to get a healthy and, and, Potentially productive Javon Kinlaw here for the stretch run.
2: There seems to be optimism that he he could play as soon as this weekend. Um, and I think the way the 49ers view it right now is, is that it's house money. So anything they get from him would be a bonus. But um, even just talking to him today, he said, you know, like I think I'm ready. Like, I think I'm gonna be ready. But he also didn't practice today. Uh, they had him do like workouts on the side, even though they opened the window. He is supposed to practice tomorrow and and you know tomorrow is wednesday but it's thursday i hate doing that but it's like thursday no it's like a normal thursday in their week which right. is their biggest practice day so i think it'll be a good test of you know how is this going to hold up but do i think they have any idea how it's going to hold up over time like if he starts playing i don't think so um and i i think if they were being honest about it they and they they would say the same thing but um if they could get him back if for no other reason than just the the lack of bodies they have at D tackle right now. Um it could be a nice boost for them. And I, I personally think if he does come back, they need to try to sprinkle him in a little bit, kind of like they did with Armstead, where it wasn't like, okay, you're back. Here's 50 snaps. Like, you know, get him, get him 15 to 20 and kind of get him rolling again that way and, and then see where it goes. So um yeah, anything with him is a bonus. I I don't I don't know that um I don't know what kind of impact he's gonna have. I just still haven't even seen him play. Um I know he's excited about it. He's eager. To get back out there um but yeah that's about it
1: so i'm confused real quick uh i'm confused a lot but presently i'm confused and would like some clarification real quick so shanahan said that he was going to participate in their walkthrough but not practice
2: so he is he's, he can practice but they they have to activate his window or have to open his window so that he can even do the walkthrough right? OK, um, so they did that today. He did the walkthrough and then he did not practice, but he was doing workouts like on the side and then he will practice tomorrow. At least that's got it. the plan okay. as of today. Yeah, got it. So and Kalia, there's that, that also, also back uh, practicing. So I he I don't think he's practiced at all as a 49er. So correct. Um, yeah, Towards they in October. Banking on to do anything, but uh, at least somebody who can practice. And if you get desperate and need a body, you know, might be available at some point in the next three weeks
1: it has cantavius street vibes where they're like hey just get some practices in and start getting ready for next year.
2: Yeah, I mean it would be awfully tough for a guy who literally hasn't practiced as a member of the 49ers <laughs> to uh hey, we're gonna, you know, uh, we'd like to have you ready for the NFC championship game we're gonna start <laughs> you buddy. Like yeah, in Philly, you know, no big deal. Yeah, I, I I it seems like a long shot, but again, you know, if they need the body and he can get into football shape, maybe there's a chance there.
1: Yeah. Can I go back to Brock Purdy real quick? Because I thought of a Brock Purdy question I have. Yes. This is for both of you guys. Does Kyle Shanahan trust Brock Purdy more than he's trusted any quarterback he's had with the 49ers? <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to look at, like, the end of
3: half situations, particularly against Tampa, and Brock Purdy's hucking it deep, and not have that thought run through your mind, right? And, football. like, is it you know, has Jimmy Garoppolo had those opportunities maybe to throw it deep and he just hasn't? Like, I I think that could be true too. But I I just think there's been just like a mind meld between Kyle Shanahan and Brock Purdy in the sense that like they're on the same page with each other right now in a way that like, I don't think we saw that with Kyle Shanahan and Trey Lance. Mm -hmm. And I, I just think that Purdy is doing everything Shanahan wants and there's there's certainly a level of trust there. I don't exactly know how to compare it to Jimmy Garoppolo, but I do think it's it's pretty obvious to point out that Kyle Shanahan with Jimmy Garoppolo is pretty conservative generally. Um, so I, I don't I don't know the answer to that, but it's it's hard to look at it and and not have that thought run run across your mind. I think.
2: Yeah. I'm, I'm with Chris. I, I haven't really thought about it like relative to the other quarterbacks, but I do think there is an uh, innate level of trust. And I go back to, to this, like Tim Kawakami and I always talk about this, but like the idea that one of the things Kyle Shanahan always brought up whenever he talked about Brock Purdy from the moment they drafted him until like the first week of him as a starter was his experience. How much he played in college, it was always he didn't just bring up the first thing he brought up and, and and I think it was like, he just likes the idea of somebody who has kind of seen and done it all. And that's not to say it's not different in the NFL. Of course, it's different. It's everything in fast forward, right. But just the idea that nothing is going to phase him because he's kind of been through it all. I think he had a baseline level of trust that was certainly above Trey Lance, um, but also above a lot of other guys where even in Jimmy's case, it's, you know, there's always that little fear in the back of your mind of what if he throws a pick here right before the Mm -hmm. half and all of a sudden they're lapping us or whatever, you know, like, and and I, I think that's a trust that is maybe start you start with that and he could give it away. If he, if he does those things, if he makes those types of plays and turns the ball over uh, maybe then you get a little bit more conservative, but he hasn't done that yet. Um, and so I think that works to his advantage also in, in that situation, but I definitely think that uh, from the, from the moment he got here, you know, Brock Purdy has impressed Kyle Shanahan, the work that he put has put in and, just the idea of his experience, I think, has gone a long way and kind of giving him maybe a higher baseline that Kyle Shanahan's working from in terms of what he's asking him to do.
1: I know this, the 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 play ahead. they got the play they got talked about after the game the other day was that first and ten from their own one. Yeah. And the Niners threw from that spot. But the other one that really jumped out to me, like that one obviously was like, okay, that that makes like that makes sense. But the third and one play with like 242 left where they go play action boot where A, they're putting it in his hands to throw it, but B being like, hey, if it's not there, take off. Right. Like that's just not that feels like to me with Jimmy Garoppolo under center, they're running it to McCaffrey up the middle and hoping for the best.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And and look, this is this is gonna sound a little bit ridiculous, but like in third and one, like Quarterback sneak is the move with Jimmy Garoppolo. He's yeah, good point. At it. As good we go, like it's, it's something he's really good. Undervalued at. skill, yeah. It, it, well, it just by everyone really the world <laughs> undervalues it. But uh, but but I do think that there's something to be said for it in in this case. that like there is a different skill set that's not that Brooke, Brock Purdy is like oh this guy's a great running quarterback, but he definitely has a little bit more escapability and his feel in the pocket, I think is something that shows up a lot too, where he understands where even if, if it is a blitz and he knows that it's coming, okay, that guy's going to be the free runner. I can, at this moment I can step this way or I can go this way and create a little bit more space. So all of those things definitely play a part in that.
3: Is Kyle Shanahan, this is kind of a take that has been reminate like running through my head for a while. Is Kyle Shanahan just averse to having a quarterback competition? in training camp.
2: <laughs> I don't know. It's a good question. I haven't really thought about that. <laughs> Next year is going to give us the answer. I, I think the ultimate <laughs> probably. Um of course there's ways this season could play out that would eliminate that, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, what what do you like was the Lance garoppolo thing? Like would you call that a quarterback competition last year?
1: I never considered it a competition.
3: Personally. They
2: did they said they didn't, but they kind of treated it like one at times.
3: Yeah, it was really weird because I mean, obviously, if they thought Trey Lance was practicing at a level where, like, okay, we feel really comfortable with him starting, like, it would have gotten to that point. But it never really did. Like, the only time he took first-team reps was at the joint practices in L.A. against the Chargers. And then, even then, like, it. you know, from from what I heard, they, they weren't all that impressed with how those reps went. Um, from Trey and so you know it, it was like the quarterback by committee thing we're gonna we're gonna have a two quarterback offense lasted like the last preseason game against the Raiders but I don't know like that that's one thing and I know you don't love this conversation zooming into next offseason Nick but like it almost feels like we're we're headed towards a quarterback competition to some extent unless Unless Brock Purdy just wins the Super Bowl. Right. Right. So I'm just okay. curious, like, will Kyle Shanahan just, like, bite the bullet, embrace all the chaos that will come with a 49ers training camp with the real quarterback competition between Trey Lance and Brock Purdy or maybe potentially somebody else? And whether, he, like, if he's averse to that, and because it, it kind of feels like going into 2021, it was, like, by design. He was, like, it's not a quarterback competition. Um, when really it probably was he just didn't see enough from Trey Lance to really label it that way
2: yeah I think I think you just hit it it's like he's I don't know if he's averse to quarterback competitions but he's averse to calling it that for sure like there's no <laughs> question there's no question about that but yeah I mean if you're talking about what could happen after this year a lot of it so much of it depends on how Brock Purdy does the rest of the season but I still think that you're probably in a situation, unless, like, like, the scenario you just said, where Brock Purdy wins a Super Bowl, even takes them there and plays really well along the way, in which case you'd have to say he's at least the odds on favorite, if not just the guy. Uh, other than that, though, like, I have a hard time seeing them go into next year with just those two as the quarterbacks. Like, I, I would think they would want to add another veteran it could be a big name. It could be a not as big name, but someone else who has starting experience who could be in that mix, because if you're not fully sold on Brock Purdy um, and he, again, there's still time for him to do that, to sell everybody. But if you're not, you can't feel super confident in Trey Lance solely because, and forgetting, forgetting like what you've seen in his small sample, just solely because of the injury stuff. Um, If you're going to, if you're going to use that as the reason to get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo, which they tried to do, it's it's got to be the same for Trey Lance because the, the injury issues have been just as big there um, in a smaller sample. So um, that to me is you know who would that third quarterback be? I know that the Tom Brady name is out there. I still think that is in play, and unless and, and, and or until Purdy would make that uh, uh, you know not really an argument, but um, I think there's a lot of different ways that it could go.
1: So that that's kind of what I've been thinking a lot about is what does Purdy have to do? To make that not the case, like it was always, it was always clear. Okay, Trey Lance is going to be on the roster next year, but then they need to bring in some somebody else that could compete for that job. some veteran, right? Whether that's Tom Brady, but Tom Brady's not coming in to compete for a job, right? But Tom Brady or Matt Ryan or Andy Dalton, like I, I don't, I don't know. But it feels to me like Brock Purdy's reached a point where or is reaching a point where he would be that second option where it's him and Trey Lance and then Josh Johnson or whoever as the third QB and let those other two guys duke it out.
2: First of all, I love how much you love Andy Dalton. Like you, you got a little taste of the, the, the the red rifle in that Saints game. You're like, man, he was better than that zero. That's your your guy now. Uh, But yeah, I mean, look, We have precedent for that, Kyle. Like Jimmy Garoppolo started five games and they gave him a big contract and made him the guy. Um, And Brock Purdy, if he plays the next three games, guess how many games he will have started? Five games. And if he takes him to the playoffs and adds to that, you're going to be able to make a strong argument that he's, he's the guy. And um, I don't know that there's like, oh, he's got to hit these statistical benchmarks and he's got to win this many. It's not like, I think it's a feel thing, but at some point, the sample size gets big enough where you believe in him, right? Um, And, and that's the thing because we're going to be doing kind of almost the opposite of what we did in 2017 where it was like, well, Jimmy Garoppolo led him to five wins, but they were out of the mix. Those games didn't mean anything. Only two of those teams were playoff teams, blah, 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 like all that stuff, right? In this case, it's. Well, the Niners have already clinched the playoff spot. Those games didn't mean a whole lot. How can we How can we use this? So there's going to be all of those things that will be talked about you know, all offseason into March. But um, I, I do think that there is a path for Brock Purdy to claim the job. And he's already exceeded expectations, not just for me, but I think that the 49ers would admit that too, that I don't think anybody there fully expected him to do what he's done so far. And if he keeps doing... Uh, a variation of what he's done so far, I think it. I think it, I think it can happen.
3: What's crazy is like I've made the comparison between this Niners team and the 2017 Vikings, who had Case Keenum, and he was essentially their third string quarterback going into the season. Won a couple of playoff games, had the Minnesota miracle. They went and got smacked in Philadelphia in the NFC Championship game. Um, but obviously, Case Keenum, as well as he played in moments that year, didn't end up being the long term guy, right? Nick Foles wins the Philadelphia Eagles the Super Bowl as a backup, obviously didn't be the long term guy. So, like, what's so crazy about the NFL is there's a scenario where Brock Purdy has a whatever's considered a very successful playoff run here, and then just isn't the guy. Like it's it's so difficult to pin down, which is why like I'm in agreement with Nick, sort of like unless Brock Purdy wins a Super Bowl and is like Super Bowl MVP and you know, like is flawless throughout the playoffs. I do think adding somebody of the Tom Brady like ilk makes a lot of sense. And I'm also curious, like, because I tend to think Jimmy Garoppolo with the way he played this year, maybe priced himself out of the, of, you know, the 49ers have like 13 million in cap space before, you know, the, the draft and before bringing back any of their own free agents, like it would be an extremely tight squeeze to fit Jimmy Garoppolo back in. I'm sure they could do it, but Jimmy Garoppolo would have to take a pay cut. Like if he prices himself out, I don't know. Like, which? Did, for, first of all, Nick, do you think Jimmy Garoppolo priced himself out of coming back?
2: I don't. Um, I, I disagree. Like, I, I do think there's a world in which he could get something like $25 million a year on a short-term deal. I think that's possible. I also think that, like, the teams that were out on him this offseason were out on him – for injury reasons. And then he got injured again. And and so if you're a team that is interested in the Jimmy Garoppolo type of quarterback, and what I mean by that is, is someone who you can plug in on a good team and have a chance at success with, or do you want to hit your wagon to a guy who could get hurt? Because we've seen the 49ers do it repeatedly and get burned by it. Now they're having some success right now, but again, we'll see how that plays out. So if you take those teams out of the mix, then you're looking at teams that are lower down the, the food chain where he would be a bridge quarterback. Right. And to me, if you're one of those teams, it doesn't make a lot of sense to pay a big number to Jimmy Garoppolo to do that, which I think takes out another part of the pool. So do I think he could get something like 25 million a year on a short term? Sure I do. Um, but I think it's probably going to be a little bit similar to maybe a base salary of what he earned this year, you know, 15, 16, something like that, with incentives that could take him to that 20 ish mix. Um, maybe, you know, consider it like the Nick Foles deal uh, to the Jaguars after he led the, the, the Eagles to the Super Bowl uh, with maybe a little bit of inflation or something like that. Um, but, I understand that there's a, there's a, you know, the quarterback market, there's not a lot of big names available. There's not a lot of good names available. It's not a great draft. I get all those things. I just think that um, if you're a team, yes, it's great that at least from an injury perspective, Jimmy will be able to go through the off season program. I know that was something that really concerned a team like Washington last year with the injury. But um, to me, I just have a hard time seeing like, Oh, there's just going to be this robust market for this guy because, Again, this has been such a recurring thing with him where there's been good ball mixed with injuries and some mistakes and things like that along the way.
3: Yeah, I think I agree with you, but I I also just think like so many teams make questionable decisions every offseason, particularly when it comes to free agency. So I'm like Mm -hmm. not putting it past anybody to be like, like the Jets, be like, yeah, you know, we, we, there are injury concerns, but man, if he's healthy, then $30 million would be totally worth it.
2: Yeah, and that's fair. I just I feel like that like that that team would pay more than what the what a you know let's say the Texans right like that team would pay more than the Texans and he would be more likely to go there. But would it still reach thirty? That just seems like they wouldn't have to go that high. I guess is 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 the way I would frame it. Sure. How? Sure. What do you think?
1: Um, I think that Garoppolo is going to get between like twenty five and thirty million because there's always a team that thinks, hey, we're a quarterback away. And I could see the Jets looking at their quarterback situation this year. Their defense is really, really good, and just being like, "Yeah, hey, Jimmy has taken a team like this to the Super Bowl, so why not make that investment?" That's that's kind of what that's I fair. like. There's no way. So there's no way they roll with Joe Flacco, Zach Wilson, and and Mike White again. I just like I know Mike White's a fun story, but I don't think he's the long like the guy.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's oh, fair. Nice. No, I I mean, there's nothing that would surprise me. I, I just, I, I don't know. I, again, I, we're not, we're not really disagreeing. I just think that uh, 30 seems like pushing it, but I could see, I could see 25. I could see that happening. And again, that's in today's day and age for quarterbacks, that's not really not much.
1: No, the fact real quick, just while we're on the jets quarterback thing. Robert Sala being like, we're in an instant coffee era now, and people want their quarterback to be good right away. And like, not necessarily, just not as awful as Zach Wilson's been. <laughs> He's been so bad. Though. Right. Are we also <laughs> in an
2: instant coffee era? Like, is it? Instant coffee is, sucks. It's Keurig. Out. It's Keurig era, right?
1: Yeah. We, instant coffee is a very different that?
2: thing. Yeah. Right? Like, no, we're not in that era anymore.
1: And I don't even we're prefer, not. I have a Keurig that has a pot and uh yeah single cup brewer and I much prefer the pot.
2: Wow. wow. Sick, sick brag. Yeah. yeah. Must well, be nice. I got 47 curigs. Nice. I got <laughs> out of my ears. This is crazy. That's
1: one Keurig with a coffee pot on it. It's wow. great. But I prefer the coffee pot. It's just like in a pinch I'll go to the the K cup. All what right. do you want from me man? Keurig sponsor the pod. <laughs> I love my Keurig duo. Well, I'm it's sure so you they do. <laughs> Yeah. Oh wow. Hey
2: Nick, That's who's cute. who's Thanks. the Niners?
3: Who's the Niners defensive coordinator going to be next year?
2: Ooh. I mean, I, I would be surprised if it's not Vic Fangio or Robert Dawson Sala D'Amico after or... he
1: gets fired for sticking with Zach Wilson.
2: <laughs> <laughs> or D'Amico Ryan's. Those would be my two best bets: Vic Fangio or D'Amico Ryan's, probably in that order.
3: Really? You think Miko might just decide not to take a job again, like last year?
2: Yeah. No. I mean, I just I I, I can't predict. Yep. What teams are going to do, and um, especially because he's a defensive guy, I, I you know I think that works against him a little bit. So, um, does he deserve it? Absolutely. He'd be top of my list if I was hiring, and someone should let me hire because I'm really smart. But I, I think <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I really, humble, I, but right and humble, right and modest. <laughs> of course. So humble, uh, oh, but <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I I just you know I think it's hard with with a defensive guy these days because everybody the teams that are bad that are hiring coaches. Like think about it, the quarterbacks. You know, if it's Arizona, they're they invest a lot of money in Kyler Murray. So unless D'Amico has a great plan for offensive coordinator, like you know, you you, you want somebody who's going to get Kyler Murray going, and Houston's going to be drafting a quarterback. You know, like that that kind of stuff that can just work work against him. But um, that would be the reason that I think he would stay, not because he's going to pass. Although I will say, I do think that in his heart of hearts, like he's not just going to leave for any old job. So.
1: Oh, yeah. No, I, I agree with that. I could also see, to your point, though, Arizona looking at, like, Domenico Ryans and Ken Dorsey and being like, okay, we need Ken Dorsey. Yeah. Absolutely. Even though yeah. The, the experience level is not there.
2: It's right. Not- you chase Sean Payton for a while just to make your fans feel like you tried. um, And and then and when that doesn't work out, you turn to the Ken Dorsey or, or whatever. You know, that's, right. that's going to be – I think that's going to be a lot of the offseason. The coaching carousel is going to be determined by – can anyone pry Sean Payton loose? You know,
1: it would be a coup if the 49ers, I've used that word in multiple pods now. It would be wild if the Niners kept D'Amico. Ryan's, I would be stunned.
2: Yeah, people were stunned. They kept Robert Sala an extra year. That's
3: yeah.
1: true. That's true. Yeah,
3: but maybe Sean Payton would on, be crazy. they
2: are already in their bonus year with D'Amico.
1: I. That's my. That's my thought too. That's Sean funny. Payton would be crazy not to try to angle for the Chargers job, right?
2: Yeah, if that job's open.
1: Justin Herbert feels like the best player in the league that just is pushed aside is like,
2: yeah, what's he done?
1: Right. It's like he the Nikola Jokic a of the NFL. Not-so-good team? Yes. Nick's making a face. Uh, the Nikola Jokic has
2: gotten... Not super in on this. Justin Herbert. You're not well, yeah, super in? He's not super he, in. He's, he's crazy talented. In as hell. Crazy talented, no question. Not, not denying that. I just, I don't know. I... Yeah, you're just out on Oregon, guys. Am I?
1: I don't know. I
2: like Eric Armstead.
1: <laughs> you you hate Eric Armstead because you don't like Justin
2: Herbert. That does not track. No. Okay. <laughs>
1: okay. You were <laughs> like you were like get DeForest Buckner out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I hate him.
2: DeAmador Lenore. We just yeah up and down the list. No, I like I like ducks. <laughs> okay.
3: <laughs> okay. On that note, Nick likes ducks. We're gonna get out of here.
1: Hey, wow. Von Thibodeau. In Santa Clara for round one. What's
2: your favorite sock combination in the Oregon uniform repertoire, Chris? Oh, God, that's a great
1: question. Do they go with striped socks? Do they go with, like... Does the NFL... Quick, 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 quick cue. Does the NFL even allow teams to go multicolored or striped socks anymore?
3: Yeah, the Chiefs have them. The Browns have them. Um, there are just a lot of teams with, like, new uniforms just go, like,
2: single colored socks.
1: You're the only person I know that gives a shit.
2: Chris, how would you feel if the Durs <laughs> if the Durs rocked the yellow like yellow? The, <laughs> the yellows like yellow like socks. Like with with like the the all burgundy with the the burgundy jersey and pants like they had the other night, but yellow sock, like the yellow socks that match the, the
3: Like one. fully yellow, like not well, like, like the, half the white, half yellow? Yeah, just yellow.
2: Is I I mean I just
3: really dislike when the socks are the same color as the pants and they just right. like, it's it just like football players and yoga pants. Like that's just not a look for me.
2: Right. So fix that Durs look for us. Like what should they, what would be the ideal look for the Durs?
3: Like, so you know how the Browns have the Browns have like white, it's like the traditional, like white bottom socks with like a Brown and orange, like stripe yeah. going up, like something like that where you, where it's like yellow and red stripes with like the half white, like, I think that's a good look. Um, or even like the, when they went all red uh, on Sunday night, if they would have had red socks with like yellow stripes, I thought that would have been like a, like a good look, like the same stripes as like they, that they have on the sleeves. Like, so there's like a little bit of uniformity there and like balancing out the color, you know? um, I don't know. I just, I just like, I just think aesthetically, like the socks in the eighties and nineties were way better. And I know, you know, like that they're, they're cooler uniforms now. I get it, but I just, I just don't understand the monotone sock thing and just going like the socks with the same color as the pants. It just, it just looks weird. And you know it, those, it bothers me. It does. I'm not ashamed to admit it.
2: You know those like for like you go. I don't know if they have them anymore, but like grocery stores or whatever, and you go and there's like the little horse. They have grocery stores. But, like, no, that like they have the little horse like the that you put a Oh, Yeah and the kid can ride it or whatever, like, like putting a quarter in, it's the same as just mentioning socks to Chris. Just put it in and let him go. Like <laughs> Mention socks, and it's, he's off to the races.
3: The 49ers, like when they had the striped socks, it was like an all-time classic look, and they have really good uniforms, but why, like why not go with the striped socks? I don't understand why not. Like what's, what's preventing teams from doing that? I just think it looks so much better.
2: I like that his voice rises a little bit too. Like it's definitely the most passion he puts into any take. I'm <laughs> really I
3: just mundane gi- and low key about
1: everything except the Here's socks. My, Here's my thing is like I don't even disagree. I just couldn't care less. Like the brown striped socks is a good look, but
3: but like so, when the Chiefs wear their road uniforms and they rock the red pants, they avoid having the the pants is the same color as the socks, and
1: that's why they have the little stripes. And it looks great. Okay, I couldn't tell you what their I know what their road uniforms look like. I couldn't describe the socks. Well, that's what Chris is here for. That's Chris. I mean, off the top of his that's head, what, that's why I'm saying, off. like, like I yeah. just I'll believe you. I just don't have, I just,
2: pick. I just like that he was like, you know, like the teams that have the socks and with the stripes or whatever. And he just rattles off like four off the top of his head. Oh, the Browns away look and the Chiefs home look. And like, it's just, yeah, it's, it's really impressive, actually.
3: I mean, the details, the details matter in, in some cases.
2: Yeah. You know, totally.
3: like we got to, they're, we operate in a world where where we're separating inside. ourselves with the details.
2: Yeah, so big time. It's what makes us human. Totally. <laughs> Deep thought. Yeah.
1: All right. Now let's well, get out of here. Fisherman's Wharf and hit the sock store one day, and you can just go ape in there.
2: <laughs> he did in Tahoe. Remember that remember in Tahoe the <laughs> sock store.
3: Gave it a gander.
2: You gave it. You gave it more than a gander. A little more. A little some window shopping. Hard. Yeah,
3: clothes. I didn't buy anything though.
2: Yeah, they were cheaply made. But I mean, made. if I played football, not high quality
3: no. if I played football, like the the sock thing would be a real thing for me. I wouldn't. I would phone it. And when it came to the sock look,
2: I, I kind of want Chris to play football now, which it might be too late, but that's not for sure. It's definitely uh, too late. Just, just so, we, <laughs> so we just so we just so we could see what his sock game would be. Yeah,
3: yeah, we'd figure it out. I definitely cut up the little Gatorade towel. And like have it cut, have it in the Brandon back, I so I look, look. Yeah, yeah. So I look fast but when I'm running so around, even though I'm, I'm running a seven four forty.
1: This this guy I work with, speaking of Brandon Ayuk's like tail thing on his jersey, we're watching just watching the game the other night, and this guy just goes, "I hate that thing." We're like what? Like what are you? He goes that thing on Brandon Ayuk's jersey. What is
2: that? I wow. hate it.
1: Like oh my god! All right, sorry. It's because he looks fast when he's
3: running, bro. It's what the cool kids are doing. I think yeah.
2: died. Just, just know that, D, that the only thing in Chris is Duffy is just socks on <laughs> socks on <laughs> socks. And he can go deep.
1: Exclusive sock Duffy. Yeah. <laughs> All
3: right. I got the no shows yep. on right now. Who does With the slippers because it's cold. <laughs> totally.
1: <laughs> All right. Let's get out of here. All right. Yeah. Thanks,
3: Nick. Thanks for hanging Thanks, out. Nick. You, got it. you guys. Um, Cooperage Brewing. Oh, yeah. Do that. Go to CooperageBrewing.com, order your beer. Um, it's amazing. Shout out to Cooperage. Beer makes
1: a great Christmas gift if you haven't already. It sure does. I've just right. been doling out Candlestick Chronicles for Christmas. And people probably love it, don't they? They do. They're like, this is the best gift that I got. And I'm like, that's crazy. It's five days before Christmas. How many packages have you opened already? Yeah. Nick knows. Nick knows how good it is. Cooperage.
3: Um, all right. We will talk to you guys later in the week. We'll have a game preview for the game against the Washington Durs.